How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. It's Wednesday, March 8th. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics. I'm your host, Chris Clark. Your other host will be with us today, too. we got a great show for you. Thanks for listening today. If you're new to the show, we are in the middle of the offseason. We're going to go through all the draft prospects. Anybody that looks like they can fit the Chiefs scheme, we will cover. We're going to start today looking at who actually rose out of the combine, and even though maybe they had a solid grade on them already, really made themselves stand out as a fit for the Kansas City Chiefs, and we will get to all of them. But before we do... Check out the rest of the network for us, the draft show, the NFL show, lots of great content. The draft show, the NFL show, there's lots of great content out there. So thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you checking out the rest of it too. On Tuesday, Eric Berry had a press conference and we're going to start with him and and we're actually going to slide into him during our our conversation about um, his contract. But it was very, very interesting. Two things that stood out to me, Uh, a it was a pleasure to see a player come to a press conference celebrating how much money he just made and bring his parents with him. You don't see that every day. It's it's unique. It speaks even more so to the fact that he's a unique person, a leader of this team, and this team wants to behave and wants to feel like a family. And, and bringing his family with him as the leader of this team to say – I'm celebrating today at staying with the Kansas City Chiefs, but I want my family to enjoy it too. It gives a message to the rest of the locker room, of the roster, and even to those draft picks who will soon join the roster, that, that this is a family-first organization and that it really does involve the rest of your life and that he's committed to it, and I think that's great. As it went on, I think the two things that uh, that really stood out to me were that there wasn't much conversation about his cancer in the first place Timmy said it didn't come up very often maybe last year during the negotiation that was about it uh, I, I find that intriguing it, it certainly had to be concerned in somebody's mind but evidently it was not at the forefront and I think that's great uh, his performance last season should have put that to doubt and it's good to see that it did secondly Barry had to say that he had wanted to be in Kansas City all along and that at the end of the day, he probably would have taken less money in order to stay there versus another team's offer. So it looks like both sides ended up with what they wanted and having Eric Berry as your team leader back for the duration of his career. I, I don't think he signs another contract. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but at that point, it, when you're you know, 34 years old at the conclusion of this contract, uh, if you play it out, I think you're you're looking at retirement pretty easily. Uh, the wear and tear on the body is going to come along. So, Now, Chris wants to talk about the Barry contract, and then let's get over and start talking about the guys that can supplement Eric Barry. Uh, we're going to go through a number of position guys, so let's get started. We looked at 
LDT yesterday, uh, and I think we were remiss in not mentioning Eric Berry's contract. Uh, six years, $78 million, $40 million guaranteed, $20 million signing bonus, highest paid safety in the NFL, uh, which he was already the highest paid safety on his first contract uh, right out of college, and now he is the highest paid safety again, uh, really setting the market for future negotiations for anybody. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we talked about this before it happened um, and a week after its conclusion. Now, it, it just rings more true to me that he's too unique. Whether you think he deserves the, the contract he got in terms of dollar amount, um, he didn't push past uh, Matthew that that much. Uh, I think it was what, not even half a million in average. Um, but he did so- push past him. True, yeah, and and that's honestly a, a Pro Bowl player like that. That's going to be the name of the game. They want to be the highest guy at their position. That makes sense. Uh, but he didn't break the bank past that. It wasn't an exorbitant amount to to surpass him. I think he got what he wanted. I think everybody's happy. He's in Kansas City, both the player and the team. Uh, and you know he's such a unique talent, playing in the box, playing deep. He can do it all. And and this last season really showed. Um, that he can do absolutely everything this team can ask of a safety, and it's not a guy that they could let go. No, and it's also somebody that is the heart and soul of your team. Um, and you know, you, you look at what they paid him, and you may say, okay, well, they paid him too much. He's a safety. He doesn't safeties don't get paid that kind of money. Well, that's easy to say, but you, you look at it again, and he is the heart and soul of Kansas City's defense and Kansas City's team, and he took that leadership role from Justin Houston when Houston went down. And I'm not saying Barry wasn't a leader before, but he really took over when uh, Houston went down. Uh, and, you know, and just like kind of Houston took over when Barry went down with cancer. I mean, it was just one of those things. And and to lose a guy like that, uh, I, I really would have hated to see. And I'm glad they got it done now as opposed to having to wait and, and – going into July where Barry might not be ready for the first part of the season. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's an interesting dynamic that you, you mentioned that uh, really plays a role in, in trying to keep them too, is uh, Eric Barry and Justin Houston are our best buddies. I mean, they are truly friends. They're not just teammates. And I think they, as a, as a, as a pair of leaders in that locker room, taking over from the, the older generation in, in DJ and Tamba, uh, I think that is a dynamic that goes beyond just uh, you know having a veteran leader to to bolster your defense or to lead your defense. Having the two voices together and knowing that those guys are that tight and they're that elite, I think that sets up the rest of the younger generation that you're trying to build on their foundation and give them uh, not only just a a playtime model, but how to be a team leader and you know a room full of team leaders is going to be a lot better than a room full of followers well and you have a deal with travis kelsey being a guy that didn't realize he was a team leader and uh now i think he's going to realize that he is and in the offense really needs that guy to step forward and be and be something uh more than just a fantastic player um and obviously kelsey is that and I don't mean to take anything away from what Barry or Houston are, uh, but it's important to have those types of players on both sides of the ball. And I'm not even trying to take away from what Alex Smith is. I think Alex Smith commits or commands the huddle, and I think he commands the offense, and he is that guy. But it is one thing to be Alex Smith, who's cool, calm, and collected at pretty much all times, 
you know, we saw a little bit different situation when he beat San Diego in the first week of the season. Uh, but to have a guy like Travis Kelsey as well, um, that could maybe step into a larger leadership role and have that kind of emotion. And if he could get anywhere close to what Houston and Barry are doing, uh, that would be huge for Kansas City's offense. Yeah, I, I agree. And they, they need that chunk. And, you know, we're going to talk about risers and fallers and, and who has made themselves uh, look like a better fit for the Chiefs in this combine because there are a number of them. And, you know, uh, there's – they say that they have leadership within their offensive line group, and that's fine. I, I don't know that Eric Fisher is a vocal leader, somebody that can be that kind of example. Uh, you know Mitch Morris is, is the cerebral thinker type guy that kind of makes the calls and, and directs traffic in there. Um, and honestly, Mitchell Schwartz is kind of a, a, a laid back personality. So I think they have room for another player that could come in and, and be not only an athletic fit, uh, but somebody that could take the reins and be more vocal and, and, and drive them. And uh, there's one guy in particular that has definitely moved himself up into the first round after this combine. Uh, it was a little bit questioning uh, whether he was going to be, you know, maybe a early to mid-second guy, or if he was truly going to go in the first. Forrest Lamp is going in the first round now by all aspects that we can see. And what he did um, that a lot of folks are talking about, that, yeah, he, he's an athlete. He he looks good at what he does. Um, there's a lot of discussion about arm length uh, being just a, a touch over 32 inches, whether he can really be a tackle or not. I don't want him to be a tackle. I don't need him to be a tackle. The Chiefs don't need him to be a tackle. So I'm just looking purely on his athleticism because he's got one of the best tape grades out there from every analyst that we've talked to that's studied his film. I like what he does on film, but he's the one guy above all others in this draft class that fit exactly what John Dorsey likes to draft in his offensive lineman. When we look back at who they've taken uh, in Eric Fisher and Mitch Morse and LDT and even Parker Einger, uh, although we haven't seen him play as much, but physically, athletically, when he tests out, all those guys are in the same range in terms of their explosion. Uh, they're all powerful, and they all have good short area quickness. And this guy, Forrest Lamp, falls right in the median of all those categories. He is a guy that they look for. So if they get down to the fact that they can't move out of 27 and they're looking for value, maybe they don't have the quarterback they want. Maybe they don't have the corner they want still available. If they get to that point and they think guard is the best value there, Forrest Lamp is a guy that fits the mold to a T. He may fit the whole, he may fit the mold to a T, but I would hate the decision. And it's not because of the player. It's because of, it's because of the position and because of what they just did with LDT. If you didn't do what you just did with LDT, maybe you do it. Uh, and, but you look at the offensive line and they're pretty much set the next two years. Um, yes, you're going to have injuries, but to spend a first round pick on somebody that's going to sit and, not be a starter for the next two years, I would hate. And I have a very hard time believing that they're not going to have a trade-up partner, somebody that's wanting to trade-up to get somebody else. Uh, but, you know, I, I, he has done very well in the combine, and he's going to move up the boards. I will give you that. Well, in my opinion, he walks in, and I think he probably beats out Parker Anger right now. So if, if he were to walk in and become the starter in his rookie season, would that make it better for you, or is it still you don't want that position drafted as a first-round draft pick? I struggle with it just because of the fact that we saw what Ironger can do. Uh, and maybe this guy is going to be better, and, and maybe that's going to be better for the offensive line long term. 
Um, but I, I still think there's going to be somebody else of value there that, uh, other than this, uh, and, and I could be wrong. And if he's sitting there and that, that's who they take, that's who they take. And, and, you know, John Dorsey knows way more about football than I do. So I'll defer to him on that. But, uh, you know, I, I would still struggle with that. Had they not, like I said, if they had they not given the contract to LDT, I'd be, I'd be perfectly fine with it. I'd be happy with it. But with that contract, I think it becomes a lot harder to do something like that. Yeah. And you know, you're right. There are going to be other players at other positions available. And one of the guys that I want to talk about has been rising, uh, ever since the, the postseason all-star games, uh, the senior bowl in particular, Hassan Reddick came out and showed what he can do. A guy that was originally recruited as a DB, uh, moved him down to an edge rusher at, at only six foot one. And now at the senior bowl, he ran with the inside linebackers. He is a very good athlete. He tested extremely well, uh, at the combine. And I think he also has moved himself solidly into the first round, probably in the late area range. Um, are you okay with an inside linebacker? If that's the, the way they decide to go. Cause this guy can probably play three downs in this league. Well, I, I'm okay with an inside linebacker. I think it's a position that they need to get better at. Uh, I, I'm not going to question a lot of picks that they that they would make. Uh, I just don't like a guard there just because of what they did in, in free agency. Well, before free agency started, um, but inside linebacker, I'd be fine with. It looks like they really like the kid from uh, is it Vandy, Zach Zach Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's several inside linebackers, and, and you know, we talked earlier. If somehow Ruben Foster falls, uh, yeah, you jump all over that. Yeah, and even if he doesn't fall that far, and and I still think, like I said, moving up to like we said the other day, twenty, I think we're both comfortable with. If they wanted to move up and get Foster. But even if they don't, if he falls close to that, it pushes the other linebackers down as well, which means Riddick, Cunningham are much more likely to be available at 27, where Dorsey would probably just like to sit and stand pat at. Uh, But Foster's fall helps overall push the linebackers down. I think that's something that that position, I I would like to see them fill with a first-round pick. If any of those three guys are there, I'm comfortable with any of them. Now, beyond that, it gets a little iffier for me. Uh, I think the corner class is really, really good. Do you need to go look at a cornerback early? I'm not so sold on that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sidney Jones is my number one prospect in this class at corner. If he's there, I'd grab him. I think you put a little bit, even though there's a hole at inside linebacker, I think you put a little bit more value in a, a man corner like that than you do in an inside linebacker. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if Sidney if Sydney Jones is there, you absolutely have to look at that. That's that's, that's a, a no brainer in my mind. Um, you have to you have to have those guys at corner. And unfortunately, with Kansas City, you know, you look at what they have, and you know, maybe they have that in Terrence Mitchell, but you know, you can't ever have too many good corners. And I'm sorry, I I have given up hope on Philip Gaines being uh, healthy enough to long term just to be somebody that they can trust. Yeah, and you know, as as you hear a lot of the analysts go through that that watch, you know, pro scouting, the amount of time that teams are in a dime is growing just like Nickel did a few years ago. And now now it's to the point where most teams feel like your base defense, you need three starters at corner because nickel is used so often. Well, now it's growing to the point that they're on the field with four corners all the time. I like Mitchell and and Nelson as the Chiefs three and four. 
but I don't think either of them are two. And I think they have an opportunity in this particular draft class with a lot of guys that cover from the, the smaller Peters type um, all the way up to the bigger, lankier uh, Marquez Whites and uh, and Kevin Kings that you can get a little bit later. I think Kevin King's going to be a second round pick now. But man, if you can put a, a true number two next to Peters, I think this team can take a step forward on defense. And like it or not, the offense is going to continue to have to come along a little bit slowly. If they can bolster the defense with more athletes, I think this team can can maintain where they are and take the next step forward. And that's all you have. To, and that's all you really do. That's all you really want as a team is to be able to take another step forward. Uh, so if they have any picks that are going to be there that can help them do that, you know, that's who you go and get. And I, and I agree with you. I think Jones is a guy that could be. Uh, great, um, so you know, and he knows Peters. Uh, and I'm not saying that that matters a lot, uh, but they have history. Um, you know, they've been teammates before, and you and you can't tell me that Marcus Peters wouldn't enjoy playing against somebody or with somebody that he already knows. Uh, and you know, he is the leader of that defensive backfield when it comes to CBs, and that's going to be the case uh, moving forward. And and to pair him with somebody that would be great would be. Fantastic for Kansas City, especially with the receivers in the division. Yeah, and you know, if the other teams in the division are upgrading their receivers, they're already solid. Uh, Derek Carr should probably be back. We'll, we'll have to see that. But if Romo were to end up in this division, you've got another guy that at least <laughs> temporarily while he's alive can throw the ball real well. So it, it puts more emphasis on having a bigger, better stable of corners. And I think that's always a safe bet in this league. Anything besides guard that you would like to see them stay away from in the first round? You know, honestly, at this point, offensive line in general I would I prefer them to stay away from and, and not really necessarily because I don't think there's value in offensive line in the first round it's, it's mainly because I just don't see the fit uh, I don't see unless you're going to get a guy that's going to come in day one be a stud left guard uh, and he's guaranteed to be a pro bowler and he, you know there's no way that you know he would have dropped any further and, and he, there's no way you could have got him and maybe you know mid second round um, you know, where are you going to put him? They, they don't have a spot for him right now. Uh, I don't think you're going to find a guy that, that can come in and be a nose tackle that's going to be taken in the first round. Um, you know, that, that's basically it for me, though. Uh, you know, I would love, and, and people will hit me on, on this, I'm sure, but I would love to see them get an edge rusher in the first round if there's somebody there. Oh, music to my ears. There's a guy in the second ground that I, I mocked last week that I really like too. Um, and I, I think they can, they're going to find an edge rusher too, if that's what their priority is. And I think it has to be um, as many as they can get. Don't know if Houston's going to be back to normal. Uh, don't know what's going to happen with uh, D4 continuing to pick up where he left off or what, but, you know, and honestly, that whole concept brings me back to Son Riddick, who's a guy who will go in the first round that might be an option there, because, yeah, I, I love him as an inside linebacker. I think he can play all three downs, but here's the interesting thing is, depending on the set that you want to put out there, you go NASCAR, he can rush from the inside. He's got the he's got bend, he's got the hand-fighting skills because he's played edge in college for so long. I, I think in a pinch, you could move him outside. He's undersized, uh, but he's got good explosion. You know, he's got skills in a pinch. 
he's a guy that could start at inside linebacker and slide out to the edge if if you lost a guy to injury inside of a game and he could take over and take some of those snaps. I think he'd be more productive than Frank Zombo in that particular role. And, and I think Zombo's got enough versatility that he could come in at, at inside if you're really in a hole. Or uh, if everything works out, you know, what you're going to have is a new guy at inside linebacker next to Derek Johnson who should be 100% healthy in a perfect world. And then you have to move around. Then you have Wilson or March you can bring in. I think that's a solid lineup if those two are your backups at ILB. Well, and you look at Zombo, and Zombo actually started at ILB, so he can play it. Uh, I mean, that's not a question of whether or not Zombo can be able to play ILB. To me, he can play that, and I think that's where he should be playing. He doesn't have the pass rush ability to get around the edge uh, that you would really want uh, outside linebacker. So I never really got why they played him at outside linebacker. I, I never really thought he fit there. Um, well, 2015, he had like – seven pass rush snaps and he got two sacks so i mean percentage wise i think he did pretty well well he may have done well but he to me it, the tape has never really shown that uh, to me it's more uh perfect situations um that he got put in yeah that's uh, and, and, and probably playing and generally when he was playing it wasn't that he was starting it was that he was coming off the bench uh mopping up and that can lead to a lot of of different times that you you get those types of um, situations as well. So, you know, I personally would would prefer to not see him on the team anymore, but that's me, uh, you know, and he's he's one of the weakest links when it comes to outside linebackers that I think Kansas City has. Uh, and, you know, I don't really think Tomba's that great right now, so that's saying a lot. Well, yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, that's he's still a serviceable linebacker in this league, and it if you're to the point where you can cut a Frank Zombo because he's the not one of the guys you have to keep, your defense is in good shape. Yep. And that's where they need to get. Well, we'll continue to roll through these positions. A lot of things changing in the quarterback market. We're going to get to that down the line. Uh, you know, a lot of changes in what we saw, the way a lot of the guys threw at the combine. Uh, obviously, working on footwork, working from under center, it's a progress. Their college film is a starting point, uh, but what we see at the Combine and what we're going to see at the Pro Days is something we're going to keep an eye on. We'll be checking in with that as we go along. Thank you all for listening. Go out, subscribe to the show. We throw some extras out there from time to time. You won't get those unless you're a subscriber, so it'll make things easier. It'll come right to your phone and make your life easier as well. So thanks for listening today. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review. And reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.